Hey guys, in this episode of the podcast, I'm actually talking about five signs of autism. So it's a way of identifying somebody on the spectrum, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, it was taken from a video that I uploaded on my Thursday upload. So yeah, let me know what you thought on Twitter. Okay, so basically, guys, I wrote down a list. I wrote down a list of things, uh, five things that I think are most important to talk about when thinking. Oh, does this person may have, you know have autism, or does this person, uh, you know, could they be on the spectrum? A lot of people uh, now are finding it um, more easy to spot autism in people because of videos like this and information that you find. You go, oh yeah, that's that's an autism spectrum condition, um, and I feel like this is the reason why we make these videos because people need to really see you know, the signs and stuff and how to pick up and how to spot if somebody, you know, is going through something because they can, and they're not just being difficult. This is something very interesting. So I've compiled a list here of things that I find quite interesting um, and they're quite individual to a person with an autism spectrum condition. So let's get started. So, the first thing I'm going to talk about here is eye contact. Now, if you're if you're trying to think like you know what you know my kid is acting a bit differently to the other kids and um, and that's cool, but you know we're wanting to know what what it is. This is kind of what I'm trying to explain in this video is that this is how you can kind of spot what what may be going on here. Now, eye contact is a big one. Eye contact is very difficult and challenging for most people on the autism spectrum because there is an uncomfortable feeling of looking into somebody's eyes, it's like reaching into their soul and like, this is a big issue. It's a big issue for people on the spectrum. It's a big issue for um, adults, children, you know, it doesn't matter age, it just does impact their lives. Now, when you're avoiding eye contact, people find this type of behavior suspicious. I find it like, it's it's not really suspicious because I'm so used to not making eye contact with people, I find it just normal. Why, why wouldn't you not make eye contact, you know? But a lot of people want to make intense eye contact. Like they feel like that's like the norm or the social norm. So if you are seeing someone with a behavior where they're not making eye contact for longer than a few seconds, like looking and looking away, they're finding it difficult to make eye contact and maintain eye contact. This could be down to the fact that they may be on the autism spectrum and this is a big issue. Now, just a little hack for anybody watching this video who is on the spectrum, what I tend to do and a bunch of other autistic individuals do is I'll look at the nose or the cheek or the forehead of a person when they're talking to them, which gives the illusion that they're actually looking in their eyes when they're actually not. That's kind of a cool hack, right? So eye contact, a big one, definitely a big one to look out for when you're trying to think, you know, is, is this an autism spectrum condition? Well, we can use this as a checklist, almost like, almost like an autism checklist. Like, do, do they have poor eye contact? Are they able to maintain eye contact? Something to note when you're gonna go consult with somebody who may be diagnosing you. Okay, so number two is issues with social skills. Now, autism impact the social and communicative part of a person's brain and how that communication processes into how you interact with the world and people. Now, social interaction is kind of like a given norm that people uh, understand social cues and social gestures and all this kind of stuff. As they grow older, they come to understand these through socializing because it's kind of like the unspoken rules of conversation, unspoken rules of social situations and socializing, where somebody could be gesturing with their hands, they could be suggesting stuff with their body language, because I'm thinking that about 70 percent of all communication is non-verbal so these things are difficult for people on the autism spectrum to pick up on uh, they have an issue with that communicative part because their brain is wired just a little bit differently in that area and so trying to pick up those uh, social cues that would have been kind of unwritten just normal typical things that you'd learn growing up this person with an autism spectrum condition wouldn't have had that opportunity to really pick that up so knowing who where someone is awkward and not really knowing um when someone is uh, you know gesturing something not knowing when it's their turn to to start speaking stop speaking 
talking, um, how long they should talk for, how how close they should stand to somebody, how far away they should be, the volume of their voice. All these things are very difficult for people with an autism spectrum condition or a diagnosis. Now. That being said, I'm not saying that people with autism can't socialize, they can, but they may have challenges and additional issues with that, that you may need to spot. And again, this is a, 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 an easy one to go, oh, well, my you know friend Bob is displaying these traits, maybe he's on the spectrum. Okay, so number three is routines. Now, routines are very important. Now, people with an autism spectrum condition like routines and structured routines because they like that repetitive behavior of doing the same thing over and over again. And they may do, do a lot of things like over and over and over again, like running a bit of a song or a bit of a movie just to watch those bits. And that is awesome. Now, this extends into their daily life, how they get up, where they sit to eat their cornflakes, what they eat for breakfast, how, what time they get up, what time they go to bed, how they... Um... Now, on the contrary to that, if the routine is changed and this change in their routine is disrupted, then a person could become very, um, I don't know, uh, agitated, upset, distressed, could cause a meltdown. So changing changes in their routine could cause them a lot of distress. This is why people with autism like their routines. They're like getting up at a certain time, like doing that same thing, having those same clothes, doing those same things. They love that stuff. And it's because it's, having that relationship to knowing what's coming next and knowing that there's no ambiguity and knowing that there's no um, what ifs and stuff. You know exactly what's gonna happen, but when there's a change, it's a bad thing. So maybe maybe think about this. If you know somebody who is really strict on their structure and routine and don't like to waver from that and get into different change, uh, then you may find that they are on the spectrum. And I'm not saying that everybody who doesn't like change or does enjoy routine is on the spectrum. I'm just saying that if you have that compiled with all the other things that I'm talking about, it's a strong possibility that person is on the autism spectrum. Okay, so number four, it's like my personal thing to talk about, is obsessive interest. Now, a person with an autism spectrum condition will have um, an obsessive interest, a specialty interest that they hyperfixate on or they hyper-focus on and they just do it, do it, do it to, to you know, they learn everything about it, they want to be the most knowledgeable person on it, um, they want to um, be obsessed with it and just constantly just like just absorb into that like environment of just that thing that they're really into. So for me it's conspiracy theories, I don't like they're wearing conspiracy theory hoodie right now but I did a video on conspiracy theories because I'm so obsessed with it, I love talking about aliens and stuff. Now I learned everything there is to know about it, I've stayed up all night, downloaded NASA files like you know on their website, freedom of information files, like all this kind of stuff. Just learn about like aliens and stuff like that like I'm obsessed now I know people who are on the spectrum who are obsessed with like, Marilyn Monroe and have been to like to visit where she used to live in America and knows like everything there is to know about Marilyn Monroe and I think that's amazing so having a specific topic of interest sometimes it could be like Minecraft or Pokemon Thomas Tank Engine or Power Rangers or whatever and it could be something that they really really enjoy so much so that they be, they're like an expert on it they know everything there is to know about it. it could be Marvel comic books or Disney or anything right this is something very very useful to remember because people with an autism spectrum uh, disorder do actually really just just submerge into that world of just that one thing and I love that I love that they do that I love that I do that I love that you know we as a community do that it's something cool but it's something to look out for if you're trying to think you know is, is my brother or sister or whatever on the autism spectrum well maybe and this is why so this is something to remember hyper fixation obsessive interest like literally obsessive okay guys so number five is sensory processing disorder now, sensory processing disorder or spd is basically where someone is over or under stimulated 
to um, sensory stimuli from the environment. It could be smells, it could be taste, it could be touch, it could be um, noise, it could be lights, it could be certain sounds in the distance, and those things could really irritate a person. And the communication from the you know just being cold in a room or um, too many people in a room, as the volumes raise a little bit higher, not maybe for the neurotypical person, but for the person uh, on the spectrum, this could become an issue. It could cause meltdowns, like the clothing tags, labels at the back of clothing. It could be a texture of food that they may not like. It could be the smell of food in the next room that could trigger something and make them feel, you know, really anxious or upset or, or, or distressed. Now, this is very interesting. Sensory processing disorder actually impacts a whole bunch load of things in a person with autism's life, and it, it, it's just a very destructive pattern and it comes comorbidly with autism. There's no actual diagnosis for just sensory processing disorder. It actually comes as a comorbid condition with an autism diagnosis, kind of like um, ADHD comes quite comorbid with uh, an autism diagnosis also. But SPD really impacts and affects the people's lives in a big way, uh, down to a lot of things like proprioception and muscle work and things like that, and it's their positioning in space. Sensory processing disorder impacts lots of aspects of a person's life if they're on the autism spectrum, and I would say that this is one of the key pinnacle ones to see if somebody may be on the autism spectrum.